And if you will, open your Bibles to Mark 11, and we're going to start today, and we're going to kind of pick up where we were at last week, but it will be standing alone. In other words, this message will be independent. So Mark 11, this is a familiar verse to people, but sometimes things that are familiar, um, we can totally read them wrong. You with me? There have been times I've read scriptures for, I wish I'd say a week, but sometimes for years, and then as I uh, read through them, I'm like, that's not what that was saying at all. And it's so plain and clear. And sometimes we've had help misinterpreting things. And uh, so if we look clear at these things, we can get some help. Mark 11, 23 and 24, I'm going to read both of them, but really we're going to look at uh, 11, 24. Mark 11, 23, Jesus said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, then he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, and this is where I want to target, therefore I say to you, this is Jesus saying, listen, I am telling you this is the truth. Whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe and we could say it like this, believe in your heart. Well, how could you say that? Because the verse before talks about believing is something that is of the heart. So he said, believe in your heart, or you could say in your core. You know, people use that term, you know, like, like a tree. They talk about, you know, the middle of the tree is the heart. And when he's talking about, or the core of the tree, so when he talks about the heart, he's like, you know, deep down, believe this. And he said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then you will have them. Believe you receive them. You know, there's a lot you can say about these verses right here. Uh, you know, because a lot of times people think prayer, and listen to this, this is important. A lot of times people think prayer is your ability to pray hard, hammer God, make him move. Finally, he'll relent. If you live good enough, you pray hard, and then God finally goes, all right, I'll give it to you. You know, and we have shirts that say, pray hard. Well, that's awesome. Or is it awesome? Or is it misleading? And finally, you know, we think if we just pound God enough, he'll finally go, well, you know, you've asked or you got enough people because it's important to get enough people. Everybody pray. And then like God's like, oh my, what's all that noise coming from Arizona? man, oh my, do something. Give them whatever they want. They're annoying me. You wouldn't, that's not exactly what people are thinking, but people think certain things. But one thing that, that in its absence is pretty profound here is 
There's no reference of God doing anything. Do you guys hear that cricket too? Or is that just me? Got quiet. Notice, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Now we understand when we pray, we talk to God. We know that. Jesus taught that. But the emphasis here is not God. And on purpose. Because God is never the problem. Thank you for that excitement. Because we get these goofed up ideas that God doesn't love us, God doesn't want certain things, and if you can just wear him down, if you fast enough, you know, just fast more. Pray more, pray longer, and you're finally going to wear him down. Or did we just have a wrong concept about this, and we're approaching him wrong, and we're approaching him like, what can I get from him? You know, like if he's not looking, I'll pickpocket him. What did you get? Nothing. He said no to me. No, notice what he said. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, and we understand by the context, he's talking about asking God. He said, believe that you receive them. It's important. When you're praying, you ask God and believe that it becomes yours. After you believe it becomes yours, he said, you will have them. Now, I'm going to connect another verse to this because it's real important. What are these whatever things you can ask? Can you ask that God would give you, like, um, the whole world? Or are there governing rules to whatever? Well, his word is the governing rule to getting or receiving whatever you need. And notice this before we move on to this next verse. I'm going to say it again. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive the whatevers you ask. Believe that you receive the whatevers you ask. You have to receive Prayer is your opportunity to receive from God. That may sound odd until we read some more verses because we have been thinking, well, God didn't answer my prayer. He didn't give it to me. Is there a difference between somebody giving you something and you receiving something? No. Yes, there is a vast difference between you receiving something and somebody giving you something. You with me? Because somebody could be giving you something or have their hands extended the whole time. But you would have to receive it. I mean, have you ever been at like a fast food place and they're like, uh, 73 and you're just over there talking, and they're at the counter. Da, da. 73. And then you're like, just sitting there. Hey, 73. And you're like, oh, that's me. Well, they have been offering that the whole time. It's already paid for. 
It's already up there. It's already there. What do you have to do? Respond to 73. Get up there and receive the thing or take the thing and go eat it. But it's already paid. It's already there. And you're like, 73, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just waiting on God. Well, let's look at, are we really waiting on God? Wouldn't that be a good question? Notice Ephesians, the first chapter. This is concerning the covenant the believers have with God. In other words, this is the rule and the way that God looks at things with us. Ephesians, the first chapter, and this isn't the only place that things like this are written, but for time's sake, we're just going to read this one. But different writers that God used in the New Testament use these same type of phrases. So if it's an issue of receiving, then that means if I'm receiving, is there something offered or something being given? Because can you really receive if there's nothing there? No, you can't. Notice this in Ephesians, the first chapter, writing to this church, and it applies to all churches. It says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is blessed. He is wonderful. He's all-powerful. But notice this, who has? Does that mean anything in the English language? You know, I know they're doing away with some stuff like Common Core. You can just add stuff up and make it what you want. I mean, does this mean has? Like, already? Would... Wouldn't we say has, meaning that's already happened? Would you agree? He has, who has, God has, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's a lot that's said right here. Who has blessed us is different than he has blessed you. Or different than he has blessed me. Would you agree? If I said he's blessed you and you, then you could go, wow, they're blessed. But if it says he blessed us, then that means either God's telling the truth or he's a liar. So if he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, or you could say it like this, because of what Christ did, what Christ paid for, what are all these spiritual blessings? Are they connected to the whatsoevers we ask? It's a good question. Because it would change my approach to prayer, because I wouldn't be going to God and thinking, wonder if he's going to do this. According to him, he has already blessed us. And if you connect these two together, then the issue is, am I receiving or taking what rightfully is already mine? Here's what happens. People become religiously brainwashed, and then they, you know, they maybe gave their life to the Lord, and then they just, you know, here, you're not good enough to receive that. You're not good enough. You got to get better for that. 
And you know how it says right there in Mark eleven twenty four, what things soever you desire when you pray, when you get good enough, believe you receive them. You saw that, right? It's in the Greek. No, it's not. No, it's not. But what happens is people disqualify themselves, and they don't even boldly ask and go, God, I'm taking and receiving from you what you have already paid for. What are these things? I mean, there's all kinds. Everything you will need in this life is covered. It doesn't matter the area, provision, whatever the area, it is already provided for in Christ. I knew you'd be excited about that. In other words, from God's standpoint, it should no longer be me when I approach God saying, will he do this? The question is, has he done it? And according to this, he's already provided. So it's not a matter of, will he do it? It's a matter of, will you receive it when you pray? And claim it or take it as yours. Now, we understand we talk to God, we take these things, but the reason there's not the emphasis on God, because God's never the problem. I know that it's pretty tough on some people. In other words, these things are technically, legally, every Christian... Everybody who's given their life to the Lord, these things are technically theirs. In other words, deliverance from the power of the enemy. You read the Bible. It said, he already has delivered us from the power of the enemy. He's already sanctified us or set us apart from every addiction. Somebody said, well, why am I struggling with addiction then? Well, first off, are you saved? The second part is this. Once you have that new nature, there is an ability to walk this out. You with me? There is power to live in freedom. It's already there. It just needs to be appropriated. Some people don't. I've met people who don't want to walk free. They're miserable as all get out, but they say, I like doing this, but I know it makes me miserable, but I like doing this, and they're saved. Thank you. We'll just keep going. But there is peace when we obey, but we can appropriate things. They are freely paid for. Jesus already broke the power of all addiction. Already. Here's something that I think, and I go back to this at different times when I teach, because I think it's so important, uh, is understanding how the similarities of getting saved or born again, what the Bible talks about receiving Christ, is that already paid for for everybody? Yeah, Christ died for the sins of the world. So uh, everybody in the world, it's not an issue of the power of sin in their life and being separated from God. It's a matter of them uh, receiving. In other words... God's not up there going, if they come and they really go, oh, I'm so sorry. No. He said, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord be saved. In other words, it's already been paid for. Legally, salvation belongs to everybody, everybody in the world. No matter how good or how bad they were, Jesus died, it said, once for all. 
He's not dying again. So here's what happens. People pray wrong with this. They'll go like this. Lord, save my uncle. You know he's a dirty, rotten, well, he's just not good. If anybody knows it, you know it. So just save him. You know, that is a non-answerable prayer. Because what is he going to do for them that he has not already done? You, you would have to pray then in line with the way Jesus said. And Jesus said, pray that the Lord would send somebody across their path. Why would it be better to pray God send somebody across their path than say, Lord, just save them right now? Why? Because the Lord's already paid for it. Really, what they need is knowledge. So they could act on the knowledge and receive the salvation that's already been freely paid for. And so they need a laborer to come and tell them, Jesus already did something for you. He died. He rose again. He paid for it. All you have to do is receive him. Notice we don't tell those people, pray hard. Fast a bunch. Let's do this and see what God would do. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. How many of you would tell somebody that if you were leading them to the Lord? No way. But people tell people that when they tell them to go pray. But everything that was paid for, for salvation or giving your life to the Lord, actually every other area of life is covered. And if you didn't know the word salvation means to heal, to deliver, to protect, and on and on the meaning goes. So when we talk about whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, delivered, protected, on and on, why would you be? You're appropriating what the Lord has already paid for. It's interesting because James 5 uses the word saved he said, if you need healing, and a lot of times we pray for people, and they come forward, and we pray for them if they need healing, and uh, God does that type of things, but in other words, it's already paid for. We just receive it, but James 5 says it this way. He said, the prayer of faith will save the sick. It's the exact same word as heal. When you pray in faith, believing you receive what is already offered. And a lot of times people just have misguided ideas. And so they're thinking, come on, God. And they're not really believing. They're trying to see something and not realizing God has already done something about the things you already face. Addiction, the devil, poverty, needing a, a need met. The Bible said Christ became poor so that you might have a full supply. But you get people who get religiously taught and then there becomes ignorance and extremes and people think, oh, well, you're just teaching a get rich quick thing. No, the Bible's plain and clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything everybody else seeks God will start adding that to your life. The Bible's clear that God is a good God, 
And why would he not want to provide for you in every area? You just have to ask yourself certain things. What's heaven going to look like? Some of you guys are going to live in the poor section, I know. Because, you know, it's just the way it is, you know. Sometimes you get the knock, the hard knocks, you know. And if you would have just done better when you were here, you could have lived in the better section. You know, I mean, it, at least you're in heaven. I mean, you'll be the trash truck driver of heaven, but, you know, because there's that bad area that we don't want to talk about in heaven. Nobody even thinks like that. And But Jesus said, pray, Father, when he taught about prayer, your will be done here like there. Well, nobody would think, there's nobody that I know of, maybe I'm wrong, who thinks when I die, I'm getting like a condo in heaven. In my father's house are many condos. If it were not so, I would have told you, behold, I go to prepare a place. If it were not so, you know. No, it said in my father's house are many mansions. We all think big, huge, don't we? No matter what it's like here, that's what we're thinking about there. Is that the truth? Right. So he said, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So do you think that God doesn't want you to have peace here? God doesn't want you to have joy here. He doesn't want you free from depression. Oh, no. Because you'll be up there on that poor area where the depressed people are in heaven. There's no depression there. The Bible said there's no sorrow. Now, we live in a fallen world, so we will face some sorrows and things like that, but we have the comforter. You with me? And we can come out of things, and we can live victorious. And so we need to understand this, that just like salvation pays, has you know, been paid for by God already, and it's an issue not of trying to get God to save anybody, it's getting information to people so they can act on what he's paid for. You with me? And so, if I pray, Lord, save Uncle Joe, or save this person, I, they don't need God to save them. It's, I mean, if we could see into the spirit realm and see what we can't see with our physical eyes, it's already there. But how many people have called on the name of the Lord, had an experience, and were like, this is incredible. But do you know that's not all that you're to appropriate in life? And that's not all that's paid for. But we would see if we could see in the Spirit that salvation is paid for for everybody. People who go to hell. So when people say, you know, I couldn't, I just can't believe God would send this, this guy to hell. He was good. No, God's not sending any of them to hell. Matter of fact, if we could see in the Spirit, it, it, He's already extended order number 73. You know what I mean? And, he, and He's waiting for us to go tell them, it's already paid for. Go read when it said we have a ministry to the world in 2 Corinthians 5. It says that God will plead through us and God is not even holding their sins against them. Now that'll blow your mind. So no matter who and how bad they are, God is not holding their sins against them. 
oh, good, then they won't go to hell. No, they have to receive the gift that covered all those things. And everybody said, amen, or so be it. It's the truth. So then knowledge, if knowledge is a key to receiving salvation, knowledge then would be the key to receiving what rightfully belongs to you when you pray. And so if we're to believe when we pray that we receive it, we have to understand this. From God's standpoint, he's already paid for it. And you could find again and again in the Bible, Peter said it. When you come to know him, it says that all things are yours. Paul said that to the Corinthians. He said, all things are yours in Christ Jesus. Everything you would need. Peter said it like this. All things that pertain to life and godliness are already provided or paid for. No wonder he said, add to your faith knowledge. You know, what you don't know won't hurt you. Oh, no. That's why we have to tell the world because what they don't know will hurt them bad because they wouldn't receive what's already taken care of. In other words, Jesus isn't dying again. Jesus isn't doing anything else again. That's why it's not only salvation, but everything you would need is technically already yours in the Spirit. It's already yours. Deliverance, Colossians says, He has delivered us from the power of the devil. The Bible said that He has already stripped the devil of his power in Colossians 2.15. The Bible said he put him to naught in Corinthians. And you can go on and on and find out that the enemy has already been paralyzed and he operates through lies. And therefore, guess what he said? Pray to God. Nope, never did. Every writer that God used in the New Testament said, because he's already defeated, you have to appropriate that and resist him. And he'll flee from you. Why would he flee from you? Because the Lord already did something about him. But the problem is we get fed lies so much. And we go to scary movies. And then you get a priest up there who's a dork. And he's all, "Ah, the devil, let's all run. And they sprinkle him with holy water. And, oh, the devil. And then then people are like, we're going to talk about the devil today. I ain't coming to church. You don't even know he's defeated. The Bible said demons believe. They know these truths in James. And it said, and they tremble. So they're paranoid already. but, But you think about it. They're afraid, but they'll lie to you. So you'll be afraid so you won't act appropriately against them. Well, what if he doesn't listen to me? He's dethroned. You're actually in the body. Christ has already put him under you. and under. If you read the Bible, you'll see these things to be true. But so many people have magnified the devil in their thinking. They haven't given appropriate time to the exaltation of Christ and their place in him that's already freely been given. And so they're just thinking the devil, he's powerful, he's big, he's woe. I'm telling you what, we got to fight, struggle, do all this. And they're not even appropriating in their own thinking that he's a defeated foe. Oh, somebody who's a lot stronger than me will just need to come and deal with this. No, anybody who's a believer can resist him. 
It's already yours. It's already your right. But if you don't know it, that's why just like sending labors to go tell people is vital to people being saved because you just say, hey, God's not holding your sins against you. But they already know they got a problem. He's not. Nope, Jesus paid for it. All you have to do is call on him. When you call on him, he'll be your Lord. He'll come in you and he'll make you a new creation in Christ. You'll get his very life inside of you like that. He already paid for it. It's already yours. You just have to receive it. That's it. You, I mean, for me, when I dedicated my life to the Lord, I thought I got to clean my life up first. And I found out I couldn't. Then I thought, oh, now I'm in trouble. I can't clean my life up and I can't get this. And I didn't realize that I didn't have to clean my life up. That I, Finally, I just said, I can't do it, Lord. You can have my life. Be my Lord. And it was marvelous. And I was like, whoa, he didn't require that. And you know he doesn't require that in the Bible. Repent means to change the way you think. Transformation for the believer comes by the renewing of the mind after their spirit's made new. So, that being said, if I pray and ask the Lord, because I want to get through this real quick, and I ask the Lord for these things and believe that I receive it, if I believe when I pray whatever the things are, and you're going to have to go look, I don't have time to talk about He's paid for this. He's paid for this. I mean, there's hundreds of verses in the New Testament of things he paid for. You know, Jesus' earthly ministry concerning healing was based on the very principle I'm talking about. Do you know in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says he bore our sickness, uh, carried our pain. He was chastened or beaten so you could have peace of mind and, and soundness of mind. And then Jesus, it says in Matthew 8, you can read the 8th and eighth chapter, the 16th and 17th verse. It said, after he had healed and delivered people from things that were binding their minds, it said he did this that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself already took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In other words, he already paid for it. You know what's wild? When he was doing that work, he hadn't even paid for it yet. But God looked at it like he had, and he did it on the credit. Read it. Because it wasn't until he died on the cross and when he was whipped that Peter said, by his stripes, you were healed. It's paid for. But some people say, well, I don't deserve it. You know, I've done so many bad things with my life. I just, you know, I've sown, now I'm going to reap. Okay, then let's use that principle with sin. Then you get to go to hell too. Oh, no, no. No. Well, why are you making up your own rules? Why don't you read the Bible? You can't do good enough to get your own sins cleansed, so why are you making up rules? I don't want to play any board games with you. I know where you're going to be. Oh, no, we don't do that here. We make up new rules. Well, how can I win then? I'm about winning. You're like, me too, that's why I make up rules. Well, you're making up wrong rules if you're condemning yourself when the Bible said there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Somebody said, well, that's how you interpret it. Well, how would you interpret there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ? Well, you see, that really means... No, just read it. 
Thank you. So if I'm going to pray and believe that I receive, then here's what I'm going to need to do after I pray. I'm going to have to be careful to not leave images of failure in my mind. Or that I don't have what he said I have in the spirit. How many times did Jesus say, if you doubt not, or don't doubt, and how many people say, yeah, this is good for you, but not for me, don't allow that to linger. Don't allow an image of failure after you've prayed, or I don't have it because I don't see it. You're missing the point. He said, believe first that you receive it, then you'll have it or experience it. Many people want to pray, look, see it, and go, I've got it because I can see it. He said, when you pray, believe that you receive it. After you believe you receive it, believe you receive it, then you'll see it. And people have failed right there because once they pray, they don't believe they've received. They look to see if they got it. They're not believing. So if I believe I get it, what do I do in between the time I pray and see it? Well, I believe I've got it. In other words, if I pray, Lord, send laborers, and then I don't see my uncle saved in the first week, then that doesn't mean God didn't hear. It doesn't mean God didn't answer. I can start thinking, thank you, Lord. You're sending people across his path. You're sending people because I asked. Whatever it is, you start acting like you've got it. And part of acting like you've got it is seeing yourself with the answer. How many people have had a wonderful experience when they got born again and a week later they came down front to receive the Lord again? Haven't we seen that before? Well, why is that? Because they're going more by how they feel instead of what the truth is. Once they've been given the knowledge of the truth, they recognize it doesn't matter what I feel. I've got it. And, and I know in my experience, there were times at the beginning where I didn't feel the same. But I was like, but you know what? I, I know I've got it. But I'm like, but I don't feel like it. And then when I got the knowledge of the truth, I realized feelings can change. What you see and experience can change, but his word will not. And then you can get secure, and then you do have experiences with God, and God deals with you and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is you're not moved. So what do I do once I've done this, prayed, asked, believed? Well, I'm going to have to do something after I pray and believe. To believe you have something is to know first that it's yours. Would you agree? In other words, I can't pray correctly unless I know. So if I become a student of the Bible and start learning what he said is mine, there's over 140 verses just in the New Testament that tell believers who and what they have in Christ. But are we living in them? So once I see it and believe it's mine and pray or make a declaration that it's mine and receive it, I need to, after the fact, keep my mind on the answer. 
Many people fail after they pray because all they do is see failure and picture defeat. They quit believing and started expecting failure and picturing failure and watching failure. Proverbs 4.21 says this, and we're going to read just a couple of verses and end here. But Proverbs 4 is a tremendous verse. And uh, it's talking about healing, but it's also talking about other things. Proverbs 4, verse 21. It says, do not let them, and he's talking about the word of God or the things that God says are yours. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Who does that? Now, that doesn't mean you have something and you put it right up in front of you and you have to stare at it while you're driving. That would make driving difficult. I can't let it depart from my eyes. No, he's talking about the way you look and see things. Don't start imagining and picturing failure. If those things come, don't allow them to stay. Notice verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart or in the core of your being. Keep looking at them, for they are life unto those who find them, and health, the Hebrew reads, medicine to all their flesh. He said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The way that part says about guarding your heart, it literally says the parameters of your heart are made up by your heart. In other words, if I don't guard my heart, the parameters of my life change. What I permit, what I allow, what occurs, what, what doesn't occur. How many people, and I normally don't talk like this, will go watch pornography, and they'll go look at it, and they'll know this isn't right, but if they just persist on, all of a sudden they'll start imagining and seeing things that are totally not appropriate to look at and see. And they'll get these images and they'll be before their eyes. And then what will happen is what is not appropriate, which is not a proper standard, will all of a sudden get in their heart and they'll start expanding their parameters of their life. It's okay to do this. It's okay to go this way. It's, it's okay to look at her or at this, and it's okay to maybe be with somebody else who I shouldn't be with. Where did that come from? The parameters of my heart started changing when I gave my attention to things I should not. Well, somebody said, what do I do then? You, you stop doing that. When your heart gets involved, there becomes a push and some people are like, I'm so tempted in this area. Well, stop it. And I'm not trying to be mean or whatever, but I am saying this is a truth in all areas. In other words, people, there are some people who they would never think of adultery. Never think of fornication or sex outside of marriage. They just wouldn't. You know why they don't? Because they don't think down that path all the time. And if they were presented with it, they'd go, whoa, wait a minute, no. But people, and it works in all different areas. 
temptation in other areas. You're, you know, don't think, well, I can just entertain this all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. No, the parameters of my heart will start changing. My spirit may be made new. You with me? What we focus on is huge. He said, don't let them depart from your eyes. They will set up the parameters of your life. If you watch somebody struggle with something, you know that that is just an outward evidence of being carnally minded in that area. So I said, oh, then what do I do? Become spiritually minded. Start exercising your mind and keeping it stayed on the Lord. He said it would produce life and peace. And so here he said, if you want health and you want the parameters of your life right, you have to keep certain things in your attention or in your focus. You need to see I'm free from sin. And don't freak out if you have a bad thought. Numbers 21 verse 8, when the children of Israel had gone off and they started murmuring and complaining and they'd got themselves into some trouble and these fiery serpents, we'd say like snakes, venomous snakes came in, started striking the people and producing death in them. They sought the Lord, what do we do? How do we get a remedy from this enemy? And the Lord told Moses, get a brazen post and a serpent, wrap it on there, make this thing. And this is huge because we're talking about what do you do after you pray? He said, and whoever fixes their gaze upon it and continues to look, healing will be theirs. It's a principle. What is the principle? What you fill your heart with and what you entertain does fill your heart. And after you've prayed and believed you received, if you don't see it immediately, you have to see it internally. You have to see it as yours because God said it's yours. You need to keep your mind stayed on the answer. Many times people fail because they look and only see failure in their mind. And they prayed and said, Lord, I believe success is mine. And they just think it's never going to work. They're not even entertaining what God said. They're not focusing, and whatever I focus on fills my heart. Good or bad, whatever I focus on fills my heart. You with me? And we know this because we have promises for the day we live in. Remember, he said, as we see all this junk coming to pass in the world, we're going to be presented with opportunities. In the, the day and age we live, we're going to see stuff that has not been seen, or if we're not the coming, the generation where the Lord comes, then it's going to get worse. He said it will be like no other time on the earth, and there will be people doing all kinds of things. Uh, homosexuality will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, but not in an area. It will be spread out. He said it will be like the days when Noah built the ark, where people just partied and got drunk, and they slept around and left one person for another person and it said people will be violent in you know without self-control and talks about how people will get involved in in uh actually use the word pharmakia it's the word witchcraft but if people would look it's the word pharmakia it means mind-altering drugs people just get all involved and they would become just the way of the day and he said, when you see all this and earthquakes and famines and all the junk that we're going to see, 
He said, lift up your eyes and look to heaven. In other words, what he's saying, keep your mind on the Lord. Why? It's the same thing in prayer. If I keep my mind on the problem, my heart is not going, and he's talking about your core, is not going to function like it should. And so he said, get your mind stayed on the Lord when you see these things come to pass. And right in the middle of the context, he said, the world's hearts will fail them for fear because they keep focusing on the things that are coming in the world. Now, he's not talking about your physical heart. He's talking about your core. This works in every area. And if you're going to have a prayer life that becomes successful after you pray, you're going to have to keep your focus on the Lord and keep your mind on the answer. You with me? Somebody said, well, I'm just so busy. Well, you, if you can worry, you can do what I'm talking about. Some people are like, well, wouldn't it be nice if we were just too busy to worry? <laughs> I've never heard that from anybody. You know, they're dealing with worry. Are you a real busy person? I'm just so busy. I'm, I'm just waiting someday, someday. I'm just too busy to worry. No, it don't matter how busy you are, you can worry. It doesn't matter how busy you are. If you can keep your mind on the problem, you can do what God said and keep your mind on the answer. You with me? And it's doable. At first, it may not be easy because we've been practicing it a different way. You with me? So when you pray, make sure it's something God has already paid for. And you'd be surprised what's paid for. Receive it. Once you've received it, begin to see yourself with it. Keep it before your eyes. Start acting like it's yours. You'll see it will manifest in this seen realm, just like salvation did.